Good morning to you all. Um, really good to be with you here at Church Online. Um, God speaks all the time. God's always communicating. So it's not never never about asking a question, is God talking? The better question is to be asking, are we listening? Are we leaning in? Are we tuned in to heaven's frequency? And I want to be sharing a little bit today about hearing the voice of God, about recognizing the ways that God communicates with us. And today's message I've titled, Can You Hear God's Whisper? Can You Hear God's Whisper? In the Bible, there is a story uh, about a guy called Elijah. And Elijah was a prophet. A prophet is basically a spokesperson for God, someone who's part of the mail delivery service of heaven. And he's there to deliver the word of the Lord to the people. And Elijah is just like you and I. He wasn't anything extra special. Um, he didn't have like, you know, amazing qualifications. He wasn't like super gifted. It, it wasn't even about him having special abilities, but it was more about he made himself available. And God can do great things in and through us when we make ourselves available. I want to ask you a question today. Have you made yourself available? Elijah made himself available to be used by God. And God did lots of amazing things through Elijah's life. Uh, he saw some amazing radical miracles take place. And that was without even him having the Holy Spirit. We know that in the New Testament, we do have an advantage that we can invite the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of us. You know, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people. But in the New Testament, after Jesus sent, you know, uh, the Father's promise, the Holy Spirit to the earth, we can actually be carriers of the very presence of God. We can have the Holy Spirit residing with us. So we do have a bit of an advantage, really. But Elijah, he was used by God to do lots of amazing things. He, you know, was able to call down fire from heaven. He was used in some miracles to do with provisions, which were, were pretty out of this world. He experienced God's miraculous provision when even um, at the brook at Kerith, where ravens brought food to him. It was food, provisions coming from unusual sources. There might be some of you at the moment that are maybe struggling and in need and needing provision. And I want to encourage you to say that God can make a way, even when it seems really unlikely, even in the most obscure of situations. He can even bring bread through ravens. There's a story as well in the Bible about Jesus where he actually uh, gets one of his disciples to go and catch a fish, uh, you know, in the local water. And sure enough, open up the mouth of the fish and there was a coin. So again, God can bring provision in lots of amazing ways. And Elijah had seen that. He'd also been involved where, you know, uh, those of you know the story about the widow and how that the oil, you know, that she gave you know, became never ending. It was, you know, just started to grow and there was abundance. And every time it poured out, it just kept pouring out and pouring out and pouring out. You know, Elijah 
was involved in so many amazing miracles. Uh, we also know, some of you will know about Elijah when he outran a chariot. I mean, you know, he, he put Usain Bolt to shame, really. Uh, he was just so quick. And that was the supernatural power of God at work in and through his life. Simply a life that made himself available, but not just available. He was also willing to do what God wanted him to do. And God's got great things for us to do, but we've got to make ourselves not only available, but also willing to do whatever God wanted. Now, as great as a man of God as uh, Elijah was, he had his downtimes. You know, even great men and women of God can be discouraged. Have you ever been in a season when you have felt discouraged in your life? I know I have. Many times in my life, I felt discouraged. I, I felt down. I've, you know, questioned the calling. Uh, and this is just a, a, a normal part of life. We do go through these seasons, these valley lows at times. And we're going to look at uh, a passage of scripture, you know, where, where God speaks through uh, through Elijah. But I wanted to share, uh, you know, first of all, a couple of scriptures um, with you from Revelation. First of all, Revelation 2, 11, where it talks about the person that has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the churches. You know, God is saying something. He's wanting to communicate. And again, it's not a case of, is God speaking? It's, are we listening? Can we hear the whisper? Can we hear what God is saying to us? Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 12 says, you know, ears to hear and eyes to see, both are gifts from the Lord. So what does that mean? What's that trying to say to us today? Well, I believe it's communicating to us that we have all of the equipment that we need to receive, to hear what God is wanting to communicate. You know, you're not going to pick up, you know, what's being aired on the radio if you don't have the right equipment. You need to have the right equipment. And we have the right equipment to be able to hear what the Spirit of God is communicating to us. And I believe, you know, God's not just speaking to believers. God's speaking to whoever is willing to listen, whoever is willing to see, whoever is willing to uh, listen to the communication of the very heart of God. Uh, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture um, in First Kings 9, uh, 19. And just to give you a little bit of a context here, this is comes off the back of an amazing victory uh, between Elijah, who's up against the 450 prophets of Baal. And, you know, there was this kind of standoff about who served the true God. And it seemed really, um, you know, far-fetched that God would, you know, answer by fire. And the prophets of Baal, they were cutting themselves and they were doing lots of silly stuff to try and get God's attention. Nothing was happening. And, you know, Elijah even sort of takes a, you know, a little bit of a joke. And, you know, maybe your God's on the toilet. You know, maybe he's sleeping. You know, where is he? And but God answers the true God, the God that we serve. He answered by fire. And it's this amazing victory where there is a purging that goes on um, in a very uh, evil 
time that they were in. So this was a mountaintop high experience where Elijah saw the power of God in, a, in an amazing way. Uh, but then he went from that place, he went from that real spiritual high, and then he came crashing down to a spiritual low. He felt anxious, he felt fearful, he felt discouraged, um, disillusioned, feeling alone. Have you ever felt any of those feelings? That's where Elijah was. He was very much uh, under threat. So we're going to have a look um, at this passage, and we're going to look at how Jezebel, who is a character in the Bible who was married to King Ahab, she is known for being a really evil um, person. And we, we know that, in a sense, it's people are not bad in themselves, but people get deceived by the enemy and decide to partner with our spiritual enemy, Satan. And the characteristics and the traits of Jezebel uh, which are very evil, are around manipulation, control, and domination. And it's all about fear and intimidation. And we see this prevalent, you know, it even talks about in the book of Revelation and the end times. It's prevalent, even in the church, even in the world today, there is that onslaught of the enemy to try and neutralize us uh, as the body of Christ. So let's have a look now, First Kings uh, 19, and we're going to go from verse 3 uh, to verse 8. And it says this, and when he saw that, he arose and he ran for his life. So this is now Jezebel is seeking to take out Elijah's life. She is fuming. She's heard about these prophets of Baal that have been defeated and, 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 and these false priests, these false prophets. She's not happy about it. And she's like, swear and she swears i am going to take you out elijah and so he's fearful he's he's on the run so verse three and when he saw that he arose and he ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to judah and he left his servant there so now we know he left his servant there so he's all alone he's in a time of isolation he's in a time where he is hasn't got any company around him and many of us in this time, we have felt alone. We have felt isolated. And you know, we can feel alone even when we're in a crowded room. Let's carry on. Verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Now, let me just say this. You know, the wilderness is often a place that can be very difficult to navigate. It can be a place where we often feel uh, disorientated, where we where we're not sure, we can be confused, we can, you know, not see very far, we can get very lost in that place in the wilderness. And of course, there are wild animals and stuff that are uh, around there and lots of strange noises. So it can be a daunting place. Here it says that he went a day's journey into the wilderness. And I think that, you know, many of us in this season may relate to a time of wilderness. And sometimes, as strange as it might sound, sometimes God leads us into wildernesses because actually there's some deep work that he needs to do inside of us. You know, we can experience amazing victories on the mountaintop highs, but sometimes we it's in those valleys that really that's where a lot of the growth goes on. And if you think about it in the natural terms, you know, you actually get more growth 
in the valleys, that's where you get the more the trees and the fruits and, and stuff than you get on the mountaintop highs. Actually, you often get very little growth up on those high mountaintops because little can, can grow and, and survive up there. So here he is, he's, he, he's in the wilderness. Remember also that Jesus, you remember that bit after the baptismal, Jesus being baptized, it was a spiritual high. The father had just said to him, you know, this is my beloved son. I'm well pleased with you. Jesus, you know, is that buzzing, that, you know, sense of affirmation from his father. And then what does it say? And the spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness. Because sometimes we get led into the wilderness. Sometimes there's something that God wants to do. He wants to do a deep work in her. This is where Elijah is. He's in the wilderness And it says, and he came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed. I want you to underline that in your Bible or if you've got a, uh, you're using the YouVersion Bible app or another, you know, Bible app. Highlight that bit there because that's really important. So, and he prayed that he might die. Wow. I mean, talk about bad day at the office. He's saying, take me out, God. I've had enough. I don't want to do this no more. Uh, This is not what I signed up for. And here he is, he's suicidal. This great man of God, here he is, and he's wanting to give up. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in that place where you've been tempted to throw in the towel, to jack it in, say, hey, do you know what? I, I don't want to do this no more. This is where Elijah was. It was a sobering moment. He says, and he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then it said, verse five, then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said, arise and eat. Then he looked and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and he drank and lay down again. Amazing this. Again, this miraculous provisions that he's seeing here, God providing. Then verse 7, and the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. There was a preparation preparation that was going on here. God is preparing us. God's preparing us for the the next phase of the journey. And then verse 8, it says, so he arose, he ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. Parallels, doesn't it, with Jesus? When he went into the wilderness for 40 days, parallels even with, with Moses as well. And he went on this long fast, this time of isolation, this time where he was all alone. But of course, God's always there. We're never completely alone. God's always there with us. So here we see, you know, in this, we see that uh, Elijah is on the run. He is wanting, he's fearful for his life. He says, God, I've had enough. Um, you know, I want to, I want to throw in the towel. I've, I've had enough. He's intimidated by Jezebel. And, and often we find that 
you know, the enemy, our spiritual enemy, is he wants to neutralize us. He wants to stop us from fulfilling the calling and the purpose that we have for our life. And we, we have to accept, we have to understand we are in a spiritual battle. Like this battle is real. And the enemy means business. And he wants us to stop. And often it, it's through fear. It's through intimidation. It's through manipulation. It's through, you know, distortion. And here he was in this place feeling discouraged, feeling depressed, feeling fearful. And that can be a dangerous place because often in that place, our, our perspective can be warped. The way that we view things, you know, we're not always seeing it in, in the right way. You know, there's a saying that I used to say quite a lot to the, the leadership team. And it was this, never make a decision in the valley. Or, or, or should I say it this way, never make a major decision in the valley. Because the view's not very good there. You know, it's important. And this is where Elijah was. He was wanting to throw in the towel. And if it was up to him, he was like, hey, I'm a Christian. Get me out of here. Take me away. I've had enough. Enough of these trials. Enough of these tribulations. And, and here he was. And he was feeling that he was all alone. And the reality was he was feeling like he was alone, but he wasn't. It was his warped perspective and sometimes in our lives as you know uh, mighty men and women of God that we hear are even we can at times feel uh, that things that are not true are true we can see these illusions we can we can feel things that actually are not reality and here he was his arm alone I'm the only person no he wasn't but that's how we felt feelings can be so fickle which is why it's so important that we live by faith, not by how we feel. You know, if it was based on how we feel, I wouldn't have got out of bed this morning. You know, when I woke up and it was dark and it was cold, I didn't want to get up. But I knew, no, this is, this is the Lord's day and we need to get things done and there's people to reach and there's, you know, message that you want me to pray through. And so I got up. I didn't do that based on my feelings. I, I based it on faith in what God was going to do today. And sometimes we have to do what we don't want to do in order to enjoy what we do ultimately want to do. But let's have a look at a few of the keys here. The first thing that I want to say is that he prayed. So that was the first thing. He talked to God. And even though it was really raw and rough, he was like, God, take my life. I've had enough. Like He was praying. He was communicating. He was talking to God. And I want to say this. God can handle your honesty. Not everyone can handle your honesty, but God can handle your honesty. And that's the best place, the most important place where we should pour our hearts out is to our God, to the one who we were created by. And this is what Elijah was doing. He prayed. He talked to God. He shared his feelings of how he was feeling, what he was going through, what he felt like. You know, take me out of here, God. He was really raw. And I believe that in this time, we need to be people of prayer. That even when it's raw, even when it's a bit rough, even when it's, you know, unvarnished, let's be real, let's be honest. Sometimes what we're sharing, again, it's not reality, it's not truth. It's not what we should be doing. But I think something happens in us 
when we start to be open and real with God about where we're at and how we feel, our innermost thoughts and feelings. So let's be people of prayer. Second thing is, you know, it, it says that he rested. No, he, he slept. And I think that in this season, you know, it's really important that we're taking adequate rest. Now, let me clarify. I did say adequate rest. Some people rest too much. Some people are lazy. Some people spend way too much time in bed. And I'm not talking about that because some people are like, oh, yeah, the pastor said rest, you know, and then they just spend loads of time in bed and being lazy and doing nothing. No, 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 no. Adequate rest, like when you genuinely need it. And here, Elijah, you know, he'd, he'd been doing, he'd been producing. There'd been a lot of productivity for the kingdom of God. He'd been doing some amazing things. And, you know, he'd run into the wilderness and he's fearful for his life. And he's at this place of exhaustion and being overwhelmed. But he needed to rest. And I do believe, you know, we need to rest. I, I, I believe that it's, you know, even God rested, didn't he? Like on the seventh day of creation, even God rested. Now, God doesn't need rest. But I do think rest is an important part that should be integrated into the rhythm of our life. We need rest. It's so important. And this is what Elijah does here. He begins to rest. And it's in this place. Sometimes, you know, we make bad decisions simply because we've not had enough sleep. We've not had enough rest. And we know it's not just about physical rest. It's about mental rest as well. And there's lots of different tools that we can use to help us to be better, being more restful. But here we see he rests, he sleeps. That was so important. Then it says that he got up and he ate. You know, God had provided for him. God had provided food and drink. And so that's another important thing. You know, if you're hungry, if you're thirsty, that can affect the way that you, you view things. You know, it's amazing how, you know, I might have a situation that I'm facing and, you know, I want to come in guns blazing. And it's amazing if I'm feeling stressed, if I'm feeling tired, if I'm feeling hungry. But simply after having a good night's sleep, having a good, you know, some good food, a nice breakfast, it's amazing how all of a sudden the guns blazing the day before, you're just like, what was I thinking? And you suddenly start to see things in the right perspective, not through a shattered lens of exhaustion and tiredness and the voice of the enemy, but we start to see it through the lens of faith. We start to see it through that lens of truthfulness of what God has for us. So let's look at these keys. So remember, Elijah prayed, he rested, and then he got up and he ate. So he ate and he drank, but he did get up. And I want to say this for some of you, you know, sometimes when we're in that place of uh, feeling overwhelmed, feeling depressed, feeling, you know, anxious, which we all at times will go through, through de different varying degrees. But it's important that when, when God's saying, get up, we get up. Because we often end up, you know, where we just want to bury our head in the sand. We want to stay in bed. We, we want to escape the world. And that's not going to help. So there's a time for resting, but there's also a time for awakening. There's a time to get up and to move and to do something. And that's what uh, happens here with Elijah. He, re he responds. The angel speaks to him. And, and, and here we see that, remember, prayer is, yes, it's speaking to God, but it's also listening to God. 
And so here we see God answering through the angel who touches him, who, who speaks to him, who starts communicating this, you know, part of the mail delivery service of heaven, this angel speaking, communicating and giving these instructions. And Elijah could have ignored them, but he didn't. He, he obeyed. And God's calling us to be people that when we hear what the Spirit of God is saying, that we obey. And sometimes, you know, we want some really amazing, complicated, uh, impressive spiritual formula. And sometimes God's just like, get a good night's sleep tonight. You know, watch your diet. Stop filling your life with junk food and stuff that's actually distorting your perspective, that you're not seeing it in a right way. Sometimes it's very, very practical what God says to us. And this is what happened. Elijah followed the divine instructions uh, from God. So let's have a look at what happens next. We're going to have a look uh, now at 1 Kings um, 19 verse 9 and we're going to go and just read the next couple of verses as we look to wind down so verse 9 it says and there he went into a cave and he spent the night in that place so where is he he's in a cave he's in a isolated place he's in a cold place he's in a, he's in a dark place he's in a place of containment and it says that he spent the night there. So this is dark. You know, not only was it dark at night, but then it's like doubly dark that he's kind of in a cave. I wonder how many of you maybe can relate to that in this season. Maybe would say, hey, do you know what? Yeah, that's how I feel at this moment. I feel like I'm in a bit of a cave. You know, last week we looked at um, cocoons. You know, we looked at the chrysalis, you know, that a butterfly goes in. And often that we can be in those times of, of where we feel uh, isolated, where we feel in a dark place, where we feel restricted. That's where Elijah was. So there he went into a cave and he spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? God asked him a question. I believe that God's asking us a question today, saying, what are you doing here? What, what, what are you doing here, Kevin? What are you doing here, Lynn? What are you doing here, Josiah? What are you doing here, uh, Javain? Fill in the gap with whatever your name is. What is your purpose? Why are you here? And I believe that that's a really good question that we should be asking in this season. Because if we don't know why we're here, we won't know where we're heading. We won't know what our purpose, our, our, our destiny, our, our mandate is. It's so important that we understand the why behind you know, our purpose, why we're here. And I believe that God's wanting today to activate some people that maybe have just felt a bit lost. You've forgotten that God has great plans for you. Maybe for some of you, you're like, hey, I did that mountain top high. I've just come off an amazing victory on Mount Carmel. Uh, but like, how can I go any more than that? Maybe some of you feel a little bit on the scrap heap that's kind of like it's retirement time now. And I, I want to say to you, no, it's not. God's got more for you to do. God's got so much more for you to do. All the time you have breath in your lungs, God's got stuff for you to do. He's got assignments for you to step into. So he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? 
So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with a sword. And I alone am left and they seek to take my life. So here he is. He's feeling alone. He's feeling isolated. He's feeling disconnected. But again, was he alone? No, he wasn't alone. Well, first of all, God was with him. But there were other people out there that were representing the Lord as well. But again, it was where he had a distorted perspective. Let's have a look uh, now at verse 11 to 13 and see how God communicates in a way that perhaps he wasn't expecting. And this is the thing. Sometimes we have our prescription of how we think God should speak to us. God, you must do it this way. And God's ways are not always our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts, as it says in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways above our ways. Let's have a look at verse 11. And he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountain and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So we hear God speaking, and I want to come back to that title. Can you hear God's whisper? Can you hear God's whisper? Because God is speaking. And here we see that Elijah, he, you know, he hears this ferocious wind that causes rocks to shatter and rocks to break. You know, he hears, you know, this, this experiences, this earthquake where the whole ground is shaking, very like uh, hard hitting, impacting kind of moment that he was experiencing. He sees this ferocious fire break out, but it says that God wasn't in any of them. And you think about, you know, the miracles that he had experienced. He'd, he'd heard God answer by fire on Mount Carmel. He'd run and outrun the chariot, you know, uh, experiencing the wind of God, that acceleration of God. But here God wasn't speaking in those ways. God wasn't communicating. And I think so often, you know, we kind of say, oh, God, you've got to speak this way or, you know, uh, this is how I'm expecting. And God doesn't always do that. Sometimes he does speak through the fire. Sometimes he does speak through the earthquake. Sometimes he does speak through the wind. We know on the day of Pentecost, you know, a sound like a mighty rushing wind, you know, came and filled the... Sometimes God does answer like that. But other times he doesn't. And God began to speak to Elijah through the whisper. And when someone's whispering, what do we have to do? We have to block out the other noises and we have to lean in. We have to lean in. We have to get closer so that we can hear what the Spirit of God is saying. 
And I believe that in this season, God is encouraging us to lean in, to hear the whispers of what he is saying to the churches. Revelation 2, verse 11. I'm going to say it again. You know, the person who has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the churches, what he's saying to you and what he's saying to me. And he asks, what are you doing here? What are you doing here, Elijah? God's asking you and he's asking me that same question. What are you doing here? You have been called to know God and to make him known. You've been called to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, to reach out locally, nationally and globally and to make disciples. And the way that that looks for each and every one of us is going to be bespoke. It's going to be unique in the ways that we use our gifts and our talents and our creativity. But that's part of our calling. That's why we are here to represent the King of Kings and his kingdom through everything that we do, think, and say. I want to pray for you, and I want to give an opportunity that if you're here today and you've never made a commitment to Christ, you've never invited God into your life, if you died tonight, you wouldn't know if you're going to go to heaven or not. I want to give you an opportunity to know that you can know that you know that you know that if you die tonight, you know that you're going to heaven, that you can have that confidence. You know, God, you know, sometimes people say, well, why would a loving God, you know, send people to hell? God doesn't send anyone to hell. We choose to reject his offer of eternity in heaven with him. God's VIP invitation to heaven is to all of humanity. It's an open invitation, but only we can respond. God can't force us. He's made us free moral agents to make up our own mind. There's no on the fence. We either accept or we reject. And I want to give you that opportunity that if you're here today and you, you're not sure about where your eternal destination is, I want to pray with you. But I want to remind you that this is not just about getting pie in the sky when you die. This is about accepting a mission. This is about saying, hey, I want to bring heaven to earth. I want to be part of this global family of faith. I want to be part of living out for God. I want to be part of fulfilling God's mission in the earth. This is what we're being invited into. Relationship, but also a role and a responsibility to make a difference for him. So if that's you, why don't you right now in this just holy moment, just bow your head, close your eyes, and let's pray. Pray these words right now after me, just from your heart. Father God, I acknowledge that I have sinned. I've made mistakes. I know I'm not perfect. Please forgive me of all of my sin. Make me into a new person. Help me to live for you. Jesus, I believe in you. I put my faith and trust in you. I give you my life. Help me to know my purpose. My reason for being here on the earth. And may I be part of bringing heaven to earth through the way that I live. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope that you were encouraged by that message.
and just encourage you, lean in. God is speaking. Lean into the whisper. And I believe that the things that he wants to share with you are going to radically change your life. God bless you all.